thank you for joining us to, to, for today's webinar. Um, with me, joining me today is uh, Mr. Andrew Jennings, the global retail expert who most of you are familiar with. Um, and today he will be discussing, and myself, the, the, global, the, the changing face of global retail. Uh, very warm welcome to Andrew and glad to have you with us uh, today. Thank you very much, Sarge. It's great to be with you. Better late than never. Yes, I'm glad you're here. Um, the format of today's webinar will be a Q&A session between myself and Andrew for the first 30 to 40 minutes. Thereafter, we will open... Recording for, in progress. We, we, will open, um, we will open for questions uh, thereafter. Um, we encourage all of you to ask questions um, throughout, the, you know, throughout the webinar. There is a link on the Corporate Cam uh, website. Uh, we will be giving away a copy of Andrew's book, Almost is Not Good Enough, to, uh, you know, the participants with the five best questions, um, or to the, you know, top five questions. This will be adjudicated by Andrew, you know, uh, uh, during, during the, during the call or thereafter. We will contact you after, after the webinar. Before we kick off, um, and for those that are not familiar with Andrew's experience, his 40 year experience in, in the industry, I'll quickly hand over to him to share his views, uh, you know, and his background in retail and maybe open up with the first question is, you know, what is his plan in terms of, you know, writing a new book, uh, following his, his, uh, you know, his, his first book, um, almost is not good enough. And will he be writing a new book emerging out of the pandemic? Uh, over to Andrew and we hope that you will enjoy uh, today's webinar. Thank you, Andrew. Well, thank you, Sard. I'm phoning you from sunny London. It's, um, we're coming into the summer season here. And, um, whilst we have a reputation for bad weather in England, um, we've uh, had a couple of good weeks, um, here. I've certainly had a very privileged career and many of you, um, will, uh, that I know and know well, um, will um, understand that I've worked in six countries and um, over two um, uh, hemispheres, um, leading some of the world's um, great retail brands, um, whether it's uh, Harrods in the UK, whether it's Saks in America, um, whether it's Karstadt in Germany, um, Maya in Australia, and of course, not forgetting Woolies um, in South Africa. Um, where I had a very enjoyable time. More about that later. Over the last six years since I've um, left um, corporate life, uh, I've been working uh, on various boards around the world um, and um, being an advisor um, to a couple of organizations. I've been working um, with private equity companies and um, have really sort of... Um, refocused um, um, my thoughts and views in this fast-changing um, world um, of retail. And <clears throat> somebody said to me the other day, Andrew, how would you describe the pace of change? And I said, you know, I um, worked and lived in Germany for a number of years. And when you're in Germany and you're on the autobahn, um, you're sort of driving down uh, the road at 110 um, kilometers an hour, 150 kilometers an hour, you look in your rear view mirror, you see a black spot. Um, 
two minutes later, that black spot has overtaken you. Uh, that's another driver on the road. And that today in retail is the competition. Uh, if you're not fast and you're not agile, um, then you're not going to be able to keep up um, with the competition. Um, and that's something that is, I always point out to my various clients about the speed of change and the necessity for change. Many of you um, have uh, got a copy of my book, Almost is Not Good Enough, and I've been asked the question, are you writing a new book, Andrew? Uh, the answer is, I may well be doing an update. I should not be doing a completely new book uh, because there has been um, a lot of changes, but many of my predictions in the book um, are in line with what has actually happened. And I originally wrote this book and I included 35 uh, quotes from CEOs and chairmen around the world. Um, I asked them one question. How does your uh, business, how are you going to stay relevant today? And their answers um, are all printed in the book. But the one thing um, that was evident was understand your customers. Because if you don't understand your customers, you're not going to have a successful business. Understand their wants, their needs, their aspirations, where they want to go and what they're looking for. Because today, ladies and gentlemen, the customer is in charge. I use the expression, the customer is no longer the king. They are um, the, <clears throat> uh, they are uh, the master um, of the universe. Um, they are there. They know more about uh, the customer. They know more about um, than the retailer knows about the business um, because at the touch of one a button on their device, uh, they know where the products are sourced from, um, how much it's costing, um, and um, um, whether it's um, going to meet their needs and requirements. Um, so they are the mighty being um, of the retail world. So always keep that in mind. So that's a bit of sort of my background and um, where what I'm doing today and why I wrote this book. Thank you very much, Andrew. I mean, that's a splendid career and, and uh, thank you for your, for your insights. If I just start off and move over you know, to your experience, you've worked in many countries and I just want to get an understanding of you know, which country you enjoyed the most and how does the South African customer differ? Um, as you said, customer is most important to those uh, in, in the other countries, so be it the US, the UK, and Germany, Australia. And we've seen some of our retailers moving to Australia. So you know, I just want to get a sense of you know, how do the customers differ in your view from the South African customer? The one thing that every customer um, wants and needs is efficient service. I'm sure you do the same, Said. When you go into a store um, or you go online, um, then you want to make sure that you can get what you are looking for. So the customer is the same in every country as far as their requirements are concerned. However, um, 
sometimes um, in different countries, for example, in Germany, uh, customers are uh, a lot taller. They're bigger framed. And um, uh, so they're going to need different sizing. Um, they have different styles. Um, a, um, a cold country like Canada um, is going to have different fabric re- requirements. Um, and um, they have winter uh, for six months of the year. Um, in South Africa, um, the customer in Durban in July is going to be very happy um, <coughs> um, with a summer dress for the ladies or a short sleeve shirt uh, for the guys. But in Cape Town at that time, uh, there can be snow on the mountains. So uh, it's about um, variances. It's about climatic conditions. Um, but the customer overall wants one thing. Can I get the product that I'm looking for from that retailer in the size that I require it um, and at a competitive price? Right. Yeah, I think it's generally very across the world. I mean, you know, we've still got world class retailers in South Africa. Um, if you move on to, over to your sort of lessons that you've learned uh, throughout your experience, um, can you give us sort of the top three uh, greatest lessons, you know, that you've learned um, in your experience in retail? Sure. Um, you know, it's about sometimes you've got to go backwards to go forwards or look backwards to go forwards. Um, you've got to, number one, think about the future. What's going to be the next trend? I remember uh, about 18 years ago when I was running Saxon America, um, we were all looking at um, uh, online businesses. Online was, I'm going back sort of 18 years ago, um, and um, it was not hugely popular. And many people said, well, people aren't going to buy shoes and clothes and things online. Anyway, I had my team together when I was the president of the company and we agreed that we needed to open up an e-commerce um, operation. We set it up as a small division um, within the organization and it was clearly a very important decision um, because today Saks takes about 32% of their total business online and growing. And of course, the pandemic has really fueled um, that. They're probably doing 40% of their business now. So number one, one great lesson was technology, support it and get behind it. The second thing is in retail said, you understand inventory and inventory management is key. And I've always been, I learned a lesson a long time ago about this. I worked for a wonderful um, uh, chief executive who was a great merchant. Very um, uh, short story. I did a, he asked me to join him for a review of the scarf department. This was in London and we had the best scarf um, area uh, in the whole of London. And uh, he asked the buyer, uh, to please rank 
um, the scarves bestseller to slowest seller. And she said, his name was Bill Midgley. Mr. Midgley, you really, um, you're expecting me to do that? He said, that's your job. Um, we came back an hour later. Uh, she'd ranked them the bestseller to the slowest seller. Um, he got his hand. He pushed uh, 50% of the scarves onto the floor. And he said, double the quantity of those if they are the best ones. The lesson I learned there was get behind the winners because the scarf department the next season was 33% up on the previous year. So if you don't get behind um, products in the quantification, you're not going to see the results that you require. And the third uh, factor is uh, you've got to have a point of view. Um, what is the, uh, and in my book, Almost is Not Good Enough, there is an entire chapter on what is a point of view. What is the personality of the business? What does it stand for um, when you when you go online? Um, is the look and the feel of the brand uh, consistent when you go into a store? Um, does it have, uh, can you tell if you were blindfolded and you were dropped into clicks, you would know that you were in clicks um, from um, the look and feel of the store by the bags, by the collateral material. And but there are many stores um, that you'd go into that you wouldn't know where you were. So successful businesses have a distinct point of view. So those are really, I think, my top three lessons. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. So you mentioned one there which stood out for me, which was inventory. Um, can you maybe talk about, you know, and obviously merchandise, you know, if you look at, you know, the future of retail and, you know, especially clothing retail in this environment globally and in South Africa, which sort of categories of merchandise do you think will, you know, will be successful uh, in the in the short term, medium term and the longer term? Um, look, there's no question in my view um, that um, you're looking at things like um, outdoor um, has become very, very popular um, since the pandemic. Um, and if I look at one of my favorite businesses in South Africa is Cape Union Mart. Um, I'm a big believer. They certainly have a point of view. They have a perspective on things. Um, and I think that that is going to continue at leisure. Um, if I look at Nike, Adidas, um, and within South Africa, um, I notice that Mr. Price has a very good assortment of athleisure in their stores. But, you know, everybody, again, since the pandemic, uh, has been spending more time uh, keeping fit, more time at home, more time um, in leisure pursuits. I think the other big trend has been uh, in the shoe business, in footwear, again, with an athleisure slant towards it, white sneakers. Um, you walk into, you walk down the road and you see many young women. What are they wearing today? Sneakers. Um, and that's a big, big trend. 
And I think all of that type of more casual, outdoor, um, sports-driven uh, trend will continue way into the future. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. And I mean, that's definitely relevant in today's times. I think because of the pandemic, guys, people are staying at home and people are trying to get more active. If you just move to the pandemic, um, you know, obviously we've seen the, the COVID virus impact on the high street and shopping centers. And your first point earlier was technology. Uh, and we've seen online sales grow very strongly. You know, can you maybe talk about, you know, the impact we've seen, you know, we've heard about, you know, South African retailers, you know, the high street being affected quite a bit. We've got uh, Truett and, and Fashini over there. Maybe your impact, what you're seeing on the ground. And do you think there'll be a reversal of online back to brick and mortar uh, globally um, if things sort of normalize over the next few years with the vaccines? That's a, that's a good discussion. We could spend the next hour talking about that. Um, I think that in nine months, Sahid, um, there's been more movement than would probably have happened. It would have taken five years and it's gone like this. No question or doubt about it. Those people that aren't online, well, they're heading towards the retail graveyard. Um, what have been the effects? Well, bricks and mortar has been devastated um, in Europe. No question about it. Store closures. And um, I walked down Oxford Street, one of the best shopping centers in the world. Traditionally, 23 percent of stores have closed. 23 percent. I mean, it's just unheard of. And why? Um, specifically in London. And I know that um, you're in South Africa, but it's good to get an international perspective on these things. Manhattan, exactly the same. Manhattan Island, um, you'd say, well, where's a, a center for retail excellence? Um, go to New York. Um, and again, 20% vacancy rates um, in stores. And, uh, you know, there's reduced international travel and um, uh, no retail airport business anymore. And I'm sure you've got exactly the same in South Africa. Um, those people that have got uh, retail at airports, disaster. Um, is that going to change? And are people going to go back to bricks and mortar? My um, view is um, that um, it may drop off slightly. But in the businesses that I'm involved in, uh, on, our online business continues to grow. Um, and um, I think that the consumer, especially an older consumer who may not have um, ventured into this beforehand, the pandemic has given them the opportunity to go online. I don't think we have Amazon, <coughs> excuse me, in South Africa, but it will come. There's no question about it. And um, people that have got used to being able to order online have goods delivered to their home. It's really um, taken a lot of the hassle um, out of um, out of shopping. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more vacancies um, in shopping centers and high streets. And we're going to see more business done because it's more convenient 
um, to buy online, especially food and groceries and heavy goods. Okay, so that's obviously uh, so it's not a good uh, omen for 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 property owners uh, in South or, Africa or globally. Dead, um, <clears throat> they have had many fat years. They're now going to have many thin years. And I was talking at a property uh, conference a few months ago, and um, uh, there, when, when I made this statement, there was a sort of <gasps> drawing in of um, Andrew. You don't mean that? I said, of course. Um, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of changes, no question, um, for landlords, and they're going to need to get realistic, and they're, not, they're going to have to give retailers. Better opportunities, no question. No, that's, uh, we've got a few uh, pr property analysts on the line, so I'm sure they'd be. Ah, definitely. well, that's um, that would be interesting. Um, yeah. I'm sorry we're not live. We don't have a live audience here. Um, if you just move over to obviously that uh, you know you, you actually answered one of my next questions, but if you move one question onwards. Um, the changing consumer habits of uh, since the pandemic. You know, we've, you've mentioned online uh, athleisure as, as a few terms. Um, is there anything else that you know retailers you know should be aware of that the yeah. consumers will, will be changing more permanent structural changes in their habits? I think that there's going to be more what I call high low. In other words, um, the entry price point merchandise, and again. Um, I think you've got a great retailer in Mr. Price. And I think that that business will continue to go upwards because the consumer has become a lot more focused on um, value for money. And um, I think value will be an important part uh, of, the, um, of the assortment. I also believe um, that the luxury business will also grow. It was interesting. I was talking with David Green of the um, CEO of the V&A in Cape Town uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he was telling me how well their Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Prada and all of the luxury brands were doing since the pandemic. So there's a sort of high low. The danger spot is what I call the mushy middle, uh, the business that's no man's land and um, I think we're going to see a lot more of those type of businesses entering the retail graveyard if they don't have a, uh, a point of view. I think the other important area with the changes since the pandemic has been a lot of uh, uh, South African customers can't travel. Uh, you know, where are they going to go to? Because unfortunately, they are on the red list uh, for many countries. So they're going to spend more on home and leisure activities. And we've noticed generally across the world, um, a lot more sales are coming through um, in home products, up upgrading homes and a lot more on local holidays, staycations and that type of thing. And I'm sure you've found exactly the same. I have the uh, privilege of um, chairing the Boschendal business in Cape Town, and we've noticed that you know we've had a lot more um, visitors uh, coming to see us um, to stay uh, for a few days 
during this winter um, than we have before. So I think people can't go overseas. So what are they going to do? They're going to go to nice resorts and um, uh, and get away. Yes, definitely. Um, and then if you just move on to my, my two next questions are more about the investment landscape and you know how M&A looks for, for retailers globally. Um, we've seen a lot of consolidation happening, you know, um, especially in South Africa and globally, your smaller guys, you know, getting taken out or, or, or the bigger guys sitting with bigger balance sheets and, and, and the ability to buy market share in, in, in value creating categories. Um, so in your view, sort of maybe you can just quickly touch on the outlook of M&A and the investment landscape for retailers and just maybe what do smaller retailers uh, have to do? to either avoid taking out, getting taken out or, or, or trying to compete with the bigger guys in, in the space? Yeah. Well, number one, <clears throat> good question. Um, something I've been asked um, many times. Uh, just having a bricks and mortar business is very traditional. Um, there is, um, I certainly wouldn't invest in it. Um, uh, why? Uh, because the customer is changing. And I don't invest in businesses where you've got management who understand um, their customer and understand their customers changing needs and aspirations and have a strategy in place to deal with it. I wouldn't invest in a retail business that doesn't have an online um, opportunity um, for it. Um, and, you know, we're seeing that. Um, anybody that hasn't got a, a strategy of taking 30, 40, 50 percent of their business online going forwards has got a problem. And um, I think that uh, there are once great brands. We've seen in South Africa the demise of the Edcon business. We've seen the demise of the Studdifords and the very traditional garlics and all of those sort of businesses. Names from the past that are not around um, anymore. And I think if, is there an opportunity to invest? You've got some great retail businesses in South Africa, whether it's the Fashini group, um, who have done extremely well and, and seem to continue um, to do well. Um, and, um, they, I've noticed their share price has done well. The same with, um, Mr. Price. Um, and then you've got those that have founded on the rocks recently, whether it's the Woolworths organization, um, and, um, and because if businesses don't keep themselves up to date, um, and don't understand who their customer is, they're going to have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And if you just look at, you know, loyalty, um, as you're talking about customers, um, many, many of the, the groups have loyalty programs. They're all you know, very strong in loyalty. Is that the only thing that will draw a customer or do we think that, you know, or do you think that there's, you know, pricing, fashion, um, obviously availability of your stock, uh, will make a big difference during these uncertain times? Look, there's, <clears throat> customers come to a store or go online for one thing. They want to buy product and, so if the retailer is not in stock of what they want, um, it's a problem. I think the customer is less loyal today um, and um, they will go 
to where they want, that they're getting value for money, um, they're getting quality, um, and it's that quality value equation that's um, very important. They also want to go to a place or go online um, where um, they can keep well informed about the product, um, where staff, if they're going into a store, are knowledgeable. Um, you know, I mentioned Cape Union Mart. I think their stores, they've got some fantastic knowledgeable staff um, in their stores. And um, I think that um, that's very, very important uh, today. Will people uh, remain loyal to a brand to an extent as long as they continue to be relevant? And, you know, relevance is a very important word uh, today in retail. Um, that you've got the product, you've got the value for money, uh, you understand, you've got the technology, because technology uh, is um, critically important. We were talking about, would I invest in retail? In your last question, I'd only invest in those retailers that have got the technology or have planned um, to uh, incorporate technology going forwards. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. If you just move to the future and what the future um there's two more topics before we go into our Q&A, sort of future of retail and more some South African specific questions. But quickly, on, if you can maybe talk on, firstly, is on, on the rental and sharing sector. In South Africa, it's, you know, it's very you know, in the infancy stages. We haven't really come across it that much, but I think in Europe and in the UK and the US, it is quite vibrant. Uh, do you think that will be spread uh, globally? Do you think that will start, um, especially given you know, pricing points, obviously a bit cheaper, people might not use the item that irregularly. So uh, can you maybe talk about that? And then and then to end off on the future side of things is, you know, the four predictions um, over the next five years for, for retail in South Africa and globally. Sure. So I'm a big believer in um, <clears throat> the sharing economy and um, retail rental. And as you quite rightly said, Saeed, um, in the UK, um, we reckon over the next three years, it will grow to about 2.3 billion in volume. And, you know, you've got some really um, important players uh, around um, and new uh, brands are popping up in the States. You've got Rent the Runway. Um, which is over a billion dollars in volume today. You know, the consumer wants change. And if they can, instead of buying a dress, um, they can rent one for maybe 8% of the value of buying it and keep it for three or four days or a week, um, then they can have the change. Um, if they're going to a wedding, if they're going to an evening event, um, then instead of buying something for that event, um, that they can just rent it. And we're seeing that it's becoming a lot more um, uh, popular. Uh, and, um, you know, I was in Selfridge's store a week ago. A new brand is opened there offering rentals um, and dresses, coats, and it was busy. And I spoke to the owners of the company. And um, 
Um, they were very pleased. Do I think that trend will come to South Africa? I think it will go everywhere. Exactly um, how successful it will be in South Africa, I'm not sure. Um, but um, a trend is a trend, and that's not really going to, to change much. And that's one of my predictions for the, ne for the next um, few years, that we're going to see um, more uh, pre-loved clothing, and um, home, um, hire, uh, renting things for your home. I think we're going to see more openness in sustainability. Um, you know, where is the product made? Um, what's it made of? Is it compliant? My benchmark was always Woolies. Um, and when I was leading that organization, it was a major focus for us um, on um sustainability and we won international awards on it and the customer would come to us specifically because they trusted the product and we're seeing a lot less packaging um, on items today and that's all part of the sustainability journey so that's my second point my third would be tech will continue to dramatically aid um, um, the retailers um, if we look online, uh, predictive technology. If I go onto an Amazon website and buy a shirt, it will automatically offer me another product. And they are saying 23% of their shoppers are buying that additional product. That's huge. And will there be a future for fantastic stores, bricks and mortar? Yes, of course there will be. But they have to offer um, they have to be differentiated and they have to be uh, attractive. Great. Thank you very much, Andrew, for, for those comments. Um, if you move more to South African specific questions, because um, a lot of our audience is from South Africa and invested in the South African retail landscape. Um, you know, we, we do have a very mature and, you know, very developed retail industry in South Africa. What, in your view, are the retailers doing well? And what do you think that they can improve on um, to compete with, with global uh, counterparts? Look, I have the advantage. As a young man, I came to South Africa and spent a few years in the days of um, uh, when there were great department stores of John Orr's and Graderman's and all of those um, businesses. They're all long gone uh, today. Um, there are some great shopping center developments in South Africa, uh, which I love. If I look at Santon City, world class, no question about it. If I look at the V&A, I mean, it's, it's a small operation, but it's unique and it's beautifully executed. Fantastic. Um, and if I look at uh, new brands from around the world, you know, uh, H&M has come into South Africa. Zara has come in. And we see the Louis Vuittons or the Hugo Bosses of this um, world. So I think there's some great things that are happening. I think the however, and I do have a however, Sahid, and that is I think there's too much bricks and mortar. And I think there's too many secondary and tertiary uh, shopping centers that have emerged. And um, I'm, I would be fearful. Um, of that, and um, I would certainly look very carefully um, at the bricks and mortar 
um, future in South Africa and say, have we got the, the customer for this? And are we changing enough? I mean, in the UK, many of the towns and cities have, are dying. Um, and um, uh, because they just uh, people are buying more and more online and they're going to larger centers. So there will be a big change. And um, I think that whenever you open, decide to open a new store, ask the question, do we really need another store? Years ago in South Africa, we would have all said when I was um, running the Woolies business there, OK, we need to open up more stores. Today, I'm sure the conversation is how many doors do we need to close? Because there will be a consolidation and um, we've got to make sure uh, you may ask the question, well, what about these small stores? You know, is there a place for them? Yes, there is. As long as they have a point of view um, and um, they have a purpose for being there and offering something unique and different. And to be unique and different, you have to be what I call a category of one, something that other people will look at and say, well, we need to go there because it is exclusive, it's different, and it offers what other people don't have. You can't be an also-ran today. Yeah, yeah. No, you make some valid points there, Andrew. Thank you. And you mentioned, you know, international retailers, H&M, um, Zara coming into South Africa. They've been here for sort of, you know, ten, five to ten years now. We also have cotton on here. In your view, and you know, speaking to international retailers, uh, is there appetite for a lot of a lot more international retailers still to come to South Africa, um, or or do you think that you know, the ones that are here are looking to, 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 to close or exit South Africa, just given and, and focus on more uh, uh, sort of growing or high growth uh, geographies like Southeast Asia or Asia? Look, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and one of my favorite retailers um, <clears throat> um, that's sort of um, has had a great um, success uh, is from Japan. Um, Uniglo. And um, I know that Uniglo were looking in South Africa. Um, my sense is it's a great market for people to come into. It really is. The downside is, of course, the tax um, on um, import tax. And the governments seriously need to relook at that if they want to attract uh, new brands um, into the into the country. And um, but do I think it's an opportunity? The answer is yes. Um, and but people will only stay if they're successful and um, if they're making money. Um, otherwise, they won't. Uh, and I'm surprised. Look, at present time, everybody is just hunkered down because of this pandemic. And unfortunately, South Africa doesn't have. Um, the inoculation program uh, that many other countries are having. Um, many airlines aren't flying in. So I think there's a hiatus for a couple of years here, um, which is, um, which would have prospective uh, brands put a question mark of whether they will, um, what they will do in South Africa. 
Uh, I'm on the board of Ted Baker, and uh, we have some Ted Baker stores, and they've been very successful here. Um, so we've been very happy um, with them. So I see no reason why that should not continue and, in fact, increase um, over the next few years. You've just got to take yourself out of this pandemic mode and say, OK, let's think two years, three years down the track. Um, things uh, will start getting back to normal, providing um, the South African government sorts out um, this um, the inoculation program. Yes, uh, yeah, it has been very slow. I mean, uh, we're we actually in a third wave yet, so which I don't think any other countries are. So it is it is quite challenging, but hopefully, hopefully soon we will see the end of it. Um, if I, you know, if I just move on to one last question before we take, for the interest of time, before we take questions. Um, you know, we've seen, you mentioned Edcon earlier. We've seen Edgar's Unbundle uh, and now run by Retailability. Um, in your view, you know, you, you were competing with Edgar's when you were at, at Woolworths many years ago. Do you think um, Edgar's can compete and, and, and sort of stem or, or regain market share in this environment, especially um, given the weak consumption uh, environment and, and, and strong competition like sort of Mr. Price, Pepco, Pick and Pay Clothing and Fashini. So I think, you know, you know what is your view on, on the Edgar's business in, in South Africa right now? Look, I think that retailability, I don't really know the business very well. I know it was founded in 1984. And, um, they've got about 600 stores in South Africa, Botswana, uh, you know, around um, the um, uh, around the country, around Africa or southern um, Africa. Um, you know, if they want to be successful, they've got to be a relevant to their customer um, and um, they've got to keep in line and keep ahead of the pack. Um, so I don't know what their strategy is, what they want to do, um, what their plan is uh, and where they're going to pitch their business. Because one thing is certain. I've said to you earlier today, you've got the high and the low and um, entry price point and um, <clears throat> top of the tier. So if they want to be successful, my sense is they're going to need um, to sort of go into that um, value market. And um, then they're going to be competing um, with um, the value operators. Um, so I hope that they are able to um, be able to compete in that. And again, what are they going to specialize in? Um, for example, Woolies um, seems to be focusing on children's wear, which I think is a smart idea. Uh, and we always had a great kids business there. Uh, the home business is an opportunity. Um, and Woolies has one um, big um, plus factor, and that's the food business. And they do a fantastic job on that. Thank God for the food business, I think, in the last few years. Um, but And Mr. Price, uh, opening price point. Um, and But it's all about market share. How are you going to get uh, greater market share? And I think the other factor is, uh, you asked me about Edgar's. I don't know what the technology is like because you've got to have great technology and you've got to have great talent. And talented people in a business 
combined with the right technology will have a winning formula. No question about it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I've really answered your question, but those are my views. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Um, if you just go through to the line, uh, to the sort of Q&A, there's quite a few questions that have come through. And, and talking about talent, there is a question on, on, on CEOs. Um, what, in your view, are they, does a retailer or, or a retail CEO need, or in terms of the best traits that a CEO needs to succeed? And how should they be incentivized? Um, financial metrics and non-financial metrics uh, from a sort of, this would probably be from an investor or shareholder perspective looking at a company they're investing in. Well, number one, <clears throat> the CEO of a retail business needs to have strong nerves. Um, and um, they need to have a positive attitude um, because uh, these are very challenging times. And one of the advantages I've always had, and I believe that's part of my success formula, is that I come from a, a merchandise background. Um, I trained as a merchant and uh, I understand product. And that does help. If you don't have a CEO who is a merchant, maybe as a financial guy, you need to have a great number two um, as a merchant. So there can be a good partnership. The second thing is make sure that you've got the best possible, um, the best possible talent that you can um, on the, get the best team together. When I was at Woolies, we had a fantastic team of people. We developed people and we brought in um, some great people into the organization, but we did a lot in developing people. And I think a CEO needs to be able to develop talent and be a talent, um, be out there finding talent to bring in. I call myself the chief recruitment officer. Um, and I think how should you get rewarded? Uh, rewarded on results, financial results and non-financial, i.e., um, what's the EBIT uh, on the company? Um, what's the uh, stock turn? And very importantly, what's the sell through um, on product? Um, uh, maybe that's going to be your chief merchant's um, KPI. Um, but making sure that all the metrics are covered. Um, and then non-financial. What are we doing on sustainability? How are we getting new customers and growing and on market share? All of those incentive, uh, those KPIs are important. Great. Thank you very much, Andrew. The next question um, was from a private equity perspective. You've mentioned that you've you know, consulted with private equity companies and you know, a lot of private equity companies are investing in the sector. Is there something that, you know, the private equity uh, guys are finding in terms of opportunities that listed um, uh, or listed or public investors uh, are missing out on? Um, <clears throat> look, the PE guys, and I chaired a couple of private equity businesses, and um, the private equity guys, um, no doubt, um, are looking at retail. We have a situation in the UK at present time where um, our third biggest or fourth biggest um, 
uh, supermarket chain Morrison's has had an offer um, by Clayton de Billier, um and Rice out of um, New York in the last couple of days. Um, and the reason that they're interested in it, I think, because they own a lot of their own property. And then they can do a sale and lease back on it. Um, so um, it is an attractive um, opportunity. It has been. Whether it's as attractive going forwards, not so sure. But there is always opportunity in retail, as long as, as we've spoken before, um, they are um, not just bricks and mortar, but they're online and they've got the right technology and that the private equity guys have the right operational management and um, to focus and support um, in, in, the, in the business. Cool, thank you. Um, then this was an interesting question. Um, what would you do differently if you were the CEO of Truewoods or Woolies um, in today's times? Oh, that's a very tough question. You really put me on the spot there. Um, <clears throat> look, I'm not up to date um, with, and I haven't been in South Africa for the last 18 months because of the pandemic. Um, so the, the simple answer is, um, I don't know. Um, and all I would do is to make sure that A, um, my product was in line with um, the wants, needs and desires of my core customers. Um, and that if my sales were not in line um, with my budgets, then I would do something about it. I'd look at the product and I'd look at the team. And I'd say, what do we need to do to change these things? Because it's all about market share. The market gets smaller and um, the pie, you've got to take a bigger slice of. Now, Sahid, unfortunately, my time is run out because I have to be on another Zoom call. Um, so um, I'm really, uh, I'm sorry that we started late because of technology issues, but I have run over my time but i've enjoyed it immensely this morning and i hope that it's um, given you and your audience um, some a slightly different perspective from somebody who knows the south african marketplace has been successful there and um, is still a student of retail thank you very much andrew um we do have some questions which we'll try answer um, over you know the next few days, and we will respond to the audience uh, you know via email to to their questions. And um, thank you very much, Andrew, and thank you to all the participants uh, who've dialed in and through the webinar. And, and once again, we apologise for the delayed start. Um, I guess that is the the, the world we live in. Uh, in this it time. is. If there's any questions, send them to me, and I'll send you an email response. Yeah, I've got the list, and we will do that. Uh, and thank you very much. I, I wish you well. And thank you for this morning. I've enjoyed it enormously.